views, ideas, and opinions of all of us here on Well Loved, and our guests are their own. And you should always seek additional professional opinion and advice pertaining to any of the topics discussed here on Well Loved with Lucia. Hello and welcome to Well Loved with Lucia. I'm Lucia, Emmy-nominated storyteller and licensed mental health expert, helping you find and feel better from the mind down. That is what our show, Well Seekers, is about holistically. Well loved is because there's just so much to talk about when it comes to relationships, and it actually is probably my favorite topic. Building a better relationship with yourself, building a better relationship with the people you love. I felt like we need another show that is all things love, essentially. A retreat from your day, a treat for your day, focused on laughing, connecting, talking about relationships, sharing personal stories, expert advice, all of that focused on love. If you listened to part one of this series and you saw, oh, this is part two of three when we're talking about attachment, welcome back. If you are just jumping into part two, there is a part one where we talk a lot about what is attachment and we go over that. I would highly suggest it since part two is really Dr. Chelsea Page coming back and helping you walk through this attachment style and your partner's but for me, I need to to foundationally know, what is this attachment thing? This is a buzzword going around, but what truly is attachment? The theory, which started being developed in the 1950s, it's groundbreaking in the world of relationships. I will say emotionally focused therapy, which is to me, the gold standard of um, couples counseling is based upon attachment theory. Um, Dr. Sue Johnson, if you haven't heard of her, Google her. We'll put some links. Her books are phenomenal. Maybe someday we will get her on the show. But for today, we have an equally phenomenal guest. Her name is Dr. Chelsea Page, and uh, she has expertise in attachment as well. And if you joined us for part one, we hope that you got that knowledge. And again, if you're just joining us for part two and you want to hop in, totally fine. We're talking about what your attachment style is and what your partner's attachment style is. And truly, why it matters. You've probably heard me talk too much already. (laughs) Um, And Dr. Chelsea Page is amazing. And I just want to hear what she has to say. And I'm sure you do too. So stick around. We'll be right back with Dr. Chelsea Page to talk about what is your attachment style and your partners here on Well Loved. This is Well Loved with Lucia. And we're back with Dr. Chelsea Page. She is back again. Thank you so much for continuing this conversation. Hello. Yes, I'm so excited. I could talk for hours about this. So I'm loving this. Well, I feel like this is perhaps my new calling. I've decided. (laughs) I just think there needs to be such a focus on it um, and the power of it. So last week, Dr. Chelsea, we were talking about, of course, attachment, Mm -hmm. what it means, how it's formed. And if you missed episode one, I highly suggest just clicking on it to get the download on that as we hop into the second part, which is those four attachment styles that we talked about last week. So can you just tell us about them again? And can we dive into a little bit more detail on them? Yes, yes, yes. So just kind of a recap, kind of a um, bird's eye view of the four attachment styles is kind of the primary one that we want to 
strive for and feel and have is the secure attachment. So the secure attachment means, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. You trust others. You trust yourself. Closeness feels okay. So that's kind of the the sum of that. Closeness is okay. Closeness is good. I like closeness. Mm. One of the other ones is avoidant attachment. This gets formed when we learn that closeness doesn't feel okay. Maybe you got hurt in the past and avoidant is I'm going to keep people at arm's length because I don't feel good getting close to you because I'm too nervous to get close to you, but I'm going to deny that I'm nervous. (laughs) I'm just going to keep you at arm's length. And the anxious attachment, so this is kind of on the other end of the spectrum, anxious attachment is I need to be close to you all the time. I need to hold you close. I, I'm anxious about the you being next to me. I'm afraid that maybe you're going to leave me. So I'm going to just hold you close, as close as I can, as close as you'll let me. Mm. And so very different than the avoidant, which is I'm going to keep you at arm's length. Anxiousness is can we get any closer, please, please, please? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's, can we talk about that in more detail first and start there? Yes, yes, yes. Anxious attachment. Where does it come from? It comes from our attachment that we learned and felt growing up and or some big instance that we had. I remember you mentioning in the last episode about after your divorce and you're like, all of a sudden I was anxious. Like, where is this coming from? Oh my gosh, from secure to anxious. And it really, really took me just realizing like who hearing myself once like who is talking like this is so unlike me to be saying these words (laughs) luckily i know what attachment is right and i was like you are anxious lucia like this is what's happening so events right either primary growing up events or something transitional that happens throughout your life that can change your attachment and make you more anxious Do you think it's fair to say, though, Dr. Chelsea, that it also is sort of like, I see it manifesting sometimes as not in myself, but in other relationships that I've worked with. I almost see it manifesting as like, I need you to make me feel okay. Yes, that is a very good way to put it. And this even so past Chelsea was in a very anxious place. That was my primary attachment style um, growing up and um, really probably more of the the disorganized one, which we'll go into. As a result of that, one of my primary strategies around this anxious style was people pleaser. I was a huge people pleaser. And the focus of that is I want to make sure you're okay so that I'm okay. So if you're okay, then all is okay in the world. Like to myself, be damned. (laughs) It was my sense of okayness lives in you. And so I need to be as close to you as I can. I need to feel okay by you. I need to make sure you're okay so that we're okay. Like so much pressure on the other person. So much pressure on the other person, right? It's a lot of responsibility because true security can only come from yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're looking, and again, I say this from experience as well, so I'm with you on having experienced anxious attaching, true security can only come from yourself. And if you're looking for someone to complete that for you, obviously, if you're with someone who's secure, my experience, again, professionally and personally, is that they're adaptable a little bit more. They're willing to talk and communicate to anxious attachment in a way that calms them a little bit and makes them feel like, okay, I'm I'm going to be okay, right? But if you're with an avoidant, it is like 
so, quote, this is the word you may hear a lot, needy, mm-hmm. anxious and avoidant attachers. You'll hear, gosh, you're so needy, right? Or if you yes. could just chill out. That's another big one. I think avoidance um, tend to use with anxious attachers. Yes. it's Well, it's because that wanting to feel close, this is where we get into kind of this negative cycle, this negative dance in relationships is if you're more anxious and you're trying to go like after the other person, it's another word that can be used as pursuing. I'm pursuing this person. I am trying to move as close to them as I can and avoid an attachment. That person who wants to keep people at arm's length, they're like, uh, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you get trying to get emotionally close to me? That's, I don't like that. That's not okay. I'm going to label it as needy. I'm going to label it as bad in my mind. And I'm going to put my arm out even more and try to kind of like stiff arm, like the Heisman, right? The Heisman going out and going, nope, don't get any closer, which is then going to activate the anxious person to freak out on the inside and go, whoa, 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 I can't get as close as I want to. And then they try to get even closer. The avoidant pushes away more. And now we're in this push-pull dance, which is not fun. No. And there's a video that I have that I'm going to put up as well that talks about that push-pull dance in great, great detail. Love it. Yeah. So that's the anxious style. Anything else that could, if someone is thinking, hey, I may be anxious. Any identifiers? Yes. Anxious, I feel, is very outwardly focused in trying to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, try to control the outside world, right? We talked about kind of trying to not necessarily control others, but it's, I need to make sure everything outside of me is okay, so then I'm okay, because I don't have a sense of okayness inside of me, which is you know, secure attachment has, I'm okay inside myself and I trust you and intimacy with others. Anxious is I'm not okay in myself. I have to make sure everything else is okay. And so I know, again, I know this from very personal experience, people pleaser, trying to be perfectionist, trying to make sure I'm doing all the things to prove myself so that people can see me. And so if you have any of those things that are activated inside of you, you're probably more in the anxious place and feeling If you're nagging your partner all the time, if you feel like, oh, every time we're in an argument or disagreement, you keep trying to want to keep talking and keep pushing for more, keep trying to get this other person out of their shell. And maybe if your partner calls you nagging or anything like that, you probably have more of an anxious side of you. So how can you tell, though, if you're anxious. I always found this hard. Mm. And there, there is a test that I'm going to try and find a link to that helps you identify all these styles. And if we can find it, we'll absolutely put it up in big, bold letters so you can <laughs> take that test. Um, <laughs> but how do you tell the difference between someone who's anxious or someone who's secure, maybe a little anxious, but mostly secure, and is just dating an avoidant party or person and everything's going to feel needy, right? Everything's going to feel nagging to someone who is avoidant. Oh, yes. Yes. It's going to be less so coming from a secure person, but it's going to feel even more so coming from an anxious person because their kind of heightened sense of wanting to reach out for emotional connection is going to be really high in an anxious person. Mm. Where a secure person is, I want to reach out to you, but I'm not trying to like grab and hold on to you like a koala bear, which is going to then push the avoidant away. Mm-hmm. But it will feel the hints of neediness from, and from the avoidant point of view. So you can be more in 
well, honestly, this is like my relationship or has been for a long time, although we've made some big um, changes and transitions is I was a very anxious person and with some hints of avoidant, which goes into that more disorganized. And my partner was more in the secure realm with a little bit of hint of avoidant in there. So you can have it's you can kind of have a mixing pot of some things. So it's not just always set in stone as we talked about before. Mm, absolutely. Identifying your partner and what they are is just as important sometimes so that you're not thinking, oh, I may be anxious. And it's like, no, you may be secure and just dating someone who's incredibly avoidant. That could be a possibility too. It can. And if I was like a fly on the wall to see Am I seeing a secure person and an avoidant person, or am I seeing um, an anxious person and an avoidant person? Really what happens in both of the anxious and avoidant people is your emotional intelligence inside of you is not as strong as someone who is in that secure place. So your sense of being vulnerable and sharing your wants and needs and doing it in a very calm and clear way and being very open, a secure person can hold the space emotionally, not only within themselves, but within another person. Like their sense of kind of, yeah, holding that emotional space, if you can understand that, can hold everybody. And so you can see you know, a secure person would be saying, you know, I, I really, I really need a hug from you right now. I really want to be close to you. Whereas an anxious person would be like, you never hug me. Like what's going on? What's happening? So it's very, very different. It's how you express the needs. Does that make sense? Oh, no, it does. And I love that. I love that. It also makes me feel like maybe it wasn't as anxious as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Because I used to say stuff like that in a in a past relationship. We're getting really personal here. Sometimes I use personal examples, but I was I feel like they're a great illustrator. I was dating someone and I would say that and they would be like, Oh, so needy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a sign of an avoidant. And I do feel like if you're secure with a little bit of anxiousness, and this was my experience, we're getting really personal, um, secure with some anxiousness and then being with an avoidant just can set off that anxiousness. Yes. And it can start to get this, maybe there's like a little kind of dance going on, this little ping that's happening. And so maybe your anxiousness isn't as high, but as you move and continue in a relationship like that without any changes, it can start to keep building like the momentum, almost like a snowball can keep building and building because the more avoidant they are, the more your anxious side is start to kind of come out because you're like, well, where are you? Where are you? Like, I want to connect with you. So you can, that's how we start to move in a more anxious place, even if you've been secure because the other person's pattern and yours bouncing off of each other snowballs. Any other identifiers of anxious, anxious attachment Mm -hmm. that can potentially help someone listening right now? Well, this goes for both sides of avoidant and anxious, but you are expressing your needs, but you're not doing it in a very good way. Kind of in my example of, you know, I really would love a hug from you right now versus, you know, I really need a hug. You never give me hugs. You know, why don't you love me? All of these things. The anxious person like really gets wrapped up in the meaning of things and doesn't slow down enough to actually see maybe someone who does love them if they're with a secure partner and avoidant, of course, there's still love. Um, So there's a lot of like hyperactivation in the mind and in behavior that happens there. 
And just look at how different strategies you're trying to get as so close as you can and how you respond to any distance that happens in a relationship. Because if you're not okay with distance, an anxious person is going to try to close that gap in any way possible. And usually the way that the gap gets closed is from, again, from a nagging place or a blaming place or an arguing place or any of those pieces. I love that. Since we talked about avoidance um, in some specificity just previously, can you give us a little bit more detail on avoidance and then maybe some additional identifiers? Yeah, so the avoidant is, is somebody who is shut down Because they keep an arm's length to other people emotionally, they also keep an arm's length to their own emotions and their own attachment needs, which are needs to feel, you know, close and wanted and loved and connected with another. They shut that down. They pretend it's not there. They avoid themselves. This is what we do, how our own inner experience mirrors what we do on the outside is it's like, no, I don't need anybody. No, I'm totally fine by myself. You might find yourself that like, I don't even need to be in a relationship. And whereas a secure attachment person would be like, I'm totally fine not being in a relationship, but I still would really love to be in one. And I'm going to take actions to actually be in one. Avoidance like, nah, me, myself, and I am good. I'm good. And so in relationship, if you're building a relationship with someone, and if you are avoidant, you might feel kind of on the opposite side, as we were talking, you might feel like your partner is like, whoa, they like are nagging me all the time. They keep are wanting to hang out with me all the time. They're like wanting to get too close. So if you're feeling like they keep wanting to get close to me, like why, <laughs> why do they want to get close to me? I don't want to get close. It's needy. I don't, I don't want to acknowledge needs because I can't even acknowledge them within myself. So somebody being around me who has needs, like makes me nervous. I think those were great identifiers. I find if you're asking yourself, what is going on? You may be dating an avoidant. Mm -hmm. Like if you're slightly confused, right? Because if you're secure or anxious and you're really can't fathom why this person doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like it leaves you asking yourself, like, maybe what is wrong with me if, if you're prone to anxious, but more, I feel like what is something is off here. Like, I just always felt like when dating avoidance, there was something a little bit off all the time. Yes. And the offness. And again, not that we want to ever get in this place. Like there's anything bad or wrong about anybody. It's the offness is connection to emotion is off. Mm. Meaning I, I don't want to connect with my emotions because if I connect with my emotions, this goes all underneath the surface this is scary to me. I don't want to acknowledge I have emotions or connecting needs because in the past when I did that, I got completely shut down or hurt or nobody was even there for me. So I just decided it's just better me, myself and I, and I'm going to ignore my emotions. I'm going to ignore those. And so that's the feeling of kind of the off is it's like, again, the statement of like, where, where are you? Where are you emotionally? I can't find you. But a person who's avoided, they're like, I'm fine. I'm okay. And this is somebody too, who doesn't really have a lot of ups and downs and emotions. They're more kind of even keel. They pretend like things aren't affecting them. Although there's a whole bunch that's going underneath the surface that maybe they don't even know is going on in themselves. They're not connected to their emotions where an anxious person is like flooding in their emotions. Why do those two tend to gravitate towards each other? Because they do. (laughs) 
Yes. Two of the biggest fears for every human, they go hand in hand, I feel, is this fear of abandonment and fear of not being enough. And with these fears being activated, what happens when we attract or we go into relationship, right? It's like an anxious attracts an avoidant and avoidant attracts an anxious. Then what happens is we kind of do this self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm trying to think of an example. I'll think of an example myself. So I remember early on in my relationship with my husband, I, because I was more in that anxious place, I didn't, I didn't believe that he loved me. Like I could hear him. He did all these things, but it's like, I, I didn't believe it because I was afraid that he was going to leave me. And I, I kept telling him, I'm like, do you love me? I don't believe you love me. It was, I kept questioning his love for me. And what happened is then I ended up actually pushing him further away. And this is what we end up doing is in relationship, although this doesn't happen in, you know, in my marriage, but it can, is by being more anxious, I end up pushing somebody away and then they end up leaving me. And then I confirm the belief I have in my mind. And then it's like, see, people just keep leaving me. Self-fulfilling so we, prophecy. That Exactly. This is probably one of the largest things I see, and I'm grouping this all together when working with or in direct relation to people experiencing someone with anxious attachment. They oftentimes create that self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. because it is exactly, you just described it so perfectly. And again, it's not good, bad, it just is, right? Yes. And awareness is important in case you're doing this from someone who has done this, right? It, it's absolutely something that does occur. Sometimes when I see an anxious person attachment style with someone who is secure and really secure, they just have this way of disarming their anxiousness. But have you experienced that? I, I have. And I'm using a ton of personal examples because like we said, it's just so helpful to use personal examples is I remember... Um, there's been many examples of this, but I remember this one in particular that my husband and I, this was a while ago, we were out to dinner and I, I don't even know what I was upset about, but I was totally in my anxious attack mode. I was in once in a while I attack his video games because that's something that I, I get anxious around because it feels like he's withdrawing or avoiding me, but he's not, he's just playing games. But at this at the restaurant i remember i was in like attack mode in that and not like full-on attack but i was definitely an anxious place i was feeling um like just anxious and i could feel him and this is what secure gets to do is you can hold the space and not react to the other person this is what happens in arguments is when you have a react react going on and you just get caught in an argument and you can't slow it down a secure person can slow it down and what he did is he just was, he, excuse my language, he was like, I, I don't want us to go here. And he cut under all of my bullshit <laughs> and excuse my language, but it was just like, I, he was hearing this, but he's like, no, Chelsea, like what is actually going on here? I, there's something going on here. I know you're mad at me right now, but like what's underneath this? He kept pulling me down underneath my defensive strategy and so his calm and secure place allowed my nervous system to calm down a little bit 
and for me to take a breath and go, oh, yes, okay, what I'm really actually trying to say is we haven't hung out in a long time and I just want to like go on more dates and I just am feeling really disconnected from you and it's making me really nervous. And that was able to happen because he was able to help me go down to that place, which sometimes I I can't go down there on my own to that Mm -hmm. vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to have, I I love that example. And that's probably, you probably said it better than I've ever heard it described, which is just holding the space. Secure people can hold the space and put the pause in, right? (coughs) Put the pause in of what's really going on here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was something that happened towards the end of one relationship where I remember catching myself like, and just like getting so upset over something so minor that didn't matter. And then calling back and being like, this is what's really going on. Right. Cause I caught myself. It took me a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, I caught myself and I'm anxious. And this is why this is where what's so wonderful about relationships is even if in the moment, you're not able to catch yourself. This is what happens when you start to shift and transition yourself into more of that secure attachment is you're going to get closer and closer to catching yourself. But it might be maybe five days later that you recognize, oh, yeah, I totally went into shutdown mode right there mm-hmm. as maybe you're an avoidant and you totally went shutdown mode. Maybe sometimes avoidance and arguments, they leave the room physically or sometimes they leave the room emotionally, meaning they're still there, but they just shut down emotionally. Yeah, literally just shut down. Yeah, it's just shut down. And maybe you realize, maybe you're reflecting back five days later and you're like, oh, I totally did that. You can always go back and repair. You can always go back and repair and go, oh my gosh, honey, I I realize I'm reflecting back and that discussion we had, I completely shut down and I realize it right now and I'm plugging it into myself and I'm going to keep doing better and better in this. And you'll catch it. Maybe it's four days later you catch it. And then maybe it's, you know, an hour after the argument that you catch it. And maybe it's then it goes to earlier on, you're like in it. This is one of the hardest whew, when you're catching in the moments where you breathe yourself down away from your reactive place. Mm. But you can do that. Just like in that example I gave with my husband, he was able to breathe us down and get back to that calm, secure place so we can actually share our vulnerabilities. Because ultimately, that is what intimacy is. My vulnerable heart being shared with your vulnerable heart, and we can both hold that space together. Absolutely. You talked about secure, so we should probably go into that. I mean, I think you described it well, right? Somebody who's able, and it's not to say that they always do that, right? No. People who are secure can not want to get vulnerable all the time either, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're human. We're human. Yeah. In general, willing to connect, wanting to connect, and being able to hold some space for you and being vulnerable. And I have, I have another example. If yeah, you know, the first love time it. sure is how there's this difference between a reactive conversation versus more of that secure place. And again, it's sharing our wants and needs from a vulnerable place, which usually is so quote unquote simple to say, but so hard to say, mm. for example, like I, I really, I really need to hug right now. Very simple to say, but it's like freaking scary to say, especially if you're anxious or avoidant to admit those emotions. And an example of this, I referenced my husband's video games before, and I used to, in my reactive place, in my attachment style of more anxious, 
I would get triggered in, it would be this uh oh trigger of just seeing him play a game. Like he's not even doing anything, poor guy. He was like, oh, innocent, just like playing his games. But all of a sudden, our a fear, a trigger happens on the inside. And I'm like touching my belly right now. It usually happens in my stomach. It goes, uh, uh uh-oh. And this whole reaction starts to come in of, uh uh-oh, Oh my goodness, I'm not feeling close to him. Oh my and then I start to put meaning to it. Does does he not love me? And if he doesn't love me, he's going to leave me. And that's really scary. I don't I'm not expressing that to him right now. This happens like really quickly on the inside. And what I used to do was then go into attack, into the nag. You're always on your video games. You like never spend time with me. Video like always attacking the video games, ta- attacking the thing that I thought was getting in the way of our closeness. But what do you think that did to him, the poor guy? It activated his system to then go on to the defense and then defend his video games and go like, why are you attacking my video games? This doesn't make any sense. And so we would get caught in this negative feedback loop where my needs, of course, were not being met at all. Whereas a secure attachment is when that ping happens inside of my stomach, because it still does from time to time. This is what happens. Our fears and our triggers makes us human. That's not the bad thing. It's how we react to them and how we engage with our fears and our triggers. So now from a more secure place, if I ever get that ping, and not always because I'm human, then I get to tell him, oh, I understand my need is I want some more closeness. And I can either tell myself, oh, he's just playing games. It's totally fine. We have date night tonight. So there's no reason to be worried about this. So I can kind of talk myself down from it. Or I can share with him vulnerably. Hey, honey, I'm feeling just really disconnected to you recently. Can we maybe get a a date night on the books or an extra date night? Because I'm just wanting some extra closeness. I love that. And then he can respond to that. Of course, honey, of course we can spend time together. Right. That's the vulnerability. What if they're avoidant? What do you think the response is going to be? Uh, ooh, good question. Well, it would be we just we just hang out yesterday. We just did this yesterday, like more of kind of downplaying a bit of your wanting and desire to hang out with each other. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dated someone that was avoidant. That sounds about right for sure. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, wait, what? You want to? You want to be close again? Because remember, closeness for avoidance, like, "Mm, no, thank you. I'll pass. It's like me and olives. It's like olives. I don't like olives. I'll pass. No, thank you. Oh, I love olives. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I mean, I'm Italian. I feel like it's just in me to love olives. (laughs) Definitely not an olive gal. It's like that TV show, How I Met Your Mother, the olive theory, that one person in a relationship either loves olives and the other person doesn't. I think it's silly. (laughs) Anyway. How would you describe, we have one more left, and thanks, Dr. Chelsea, for being so generous with your time today, too. Of course. How would you describe disorganized? Mm, so uh, disorganized, so we didn't go full into it, but you can get the sense, as we talked about more of the anxious and avoidant, mm-hmm. there's different names that get put to this, disorganized, fearful, I call it sometimes like confused, internally confused attachment. And we talked about this, I think it was in our first episode, that it's it's this place where internally there's this push-pull going on. So internally you have this sense of I'm not a I'm not good really in the world and I don't feel really good in close with close proximity to other people and that intimacy. But also there's a part of me that wants to be close and not close. So what I mean by that is it's this push-pull of I want you to come closer 
and I want you to be intimately closer to me. But then if you get too close, I'm going to kind of like push and shove you emotionally away. Mm. But then my nervous system freaks out and goes, whoa, that's too far. And then I try to pull you closer again. But then, oh, then I push you away. So this could look like maybe, I don't know, maybe last night you had this wonderful, intimately close connecting sexual you know, night with your partner. And it was really close and intimate. And then the next like week, your partner is like completely distant. It's again, where did you go? <laughs> and then they try to pull you back again. So it's it's confusing to the partner too, because then they're like, wait, sometimes you want me, sometimes you don't want me. Like what's what's going on here? This push pull. Yeah. I mean, I recognize myself in all of these. That was absolutely me in a relationship right after my divorce. It was like I so wanted closeness, but I was terrified of it because of where I just came from. Someone that I really liked, but like was not available at the time. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And this one is this one, the disorganized, fearful, internally confused. It's one's a lot more in the more extreme sense. It's a lot more rare, smaller percentages, and especially can be more into this, into the extreme. If you've had really severe trauma in the past, any of those pieces, that's going to have a really big impact on your nervous system and completely you can work through these things, especially with though with trauma, it takes a, a lot longer to build in comfort in the nervous system to be more in that secure place. But we find, like you said, you're like, I could find myself into that a little bit. And I've definitely been in the um, disorganized place too, but more of kind of like my, my foot was dipped into that pool rather than like my whole body is in this pool of disorganization. Such important information, Dr. Chelsea Page. Thank you so much for sharing these styles with us. We're going to continue the series and talk about once you've identified these styles within yourself or within your significant other, how do you change them? What can you do to work on changing these styles? That's going to be the next few episodes. So make sure to click on them below. Dr. Chelsea, can you just give us your information again? So if people want to find you, they can find you. Yes. My website is drchelseapage.com or you can find me on Facebook, Chelsea Page. So P-A-G-E. And I'm all up in my personal page. I'm not really on my business page all that much, um, but also my private Facebook group. So that's the best place to find me. Dr. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us. A treat and retreat for your day. This is Well Loved with Lucia. Welcome back to Well Loved. Oh my gosh, so much information. I feel like we could do a whole show called Attachment Theory. Um, But part of Well Loved is making sure we cover some of these foundational topics and theories like attachment theory. And sometimes we just can't do it in even two episodes um, because we do like to keep these short to the point so that you can actually listen to them in your day because we know how busy everyone is. So we are going to do a part three where we talk about how do you change your attachment style? Again, maybe you learn that everything's good, everyone's secure in your relationship and yourself, and then you don't need a part three. But for those who want to work on changing your attachment style, We've got you covered. Dr. Chelsea Page is coming back. We're going to do a part three. I'm going to release it all at the same time so you can listen to them one, two, three, so you can find it on wherever you're listening right now, I promise, or or the website wellseekers.com and then just click on on the show, Well Loved. 
Um, from all of us here at Well Loved, we are so happy you have decided to join us. Make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at Lucia Naz, L-U-C-I-A-N-A-Z-Z. You can find us at Well Seekers, um, which is the company that produces Well Loved. So make sure to find us on Well Seekers. Or we're going to work on getting our own well-loved Instagram up as well. So hopefully by the time we release this, you can find us there too. From all of us here at Well Loved, thanks for being a part of our family. Thanks for letting us be a part of yours. We'll talk to you soon. Find a new kind of love for yourself and others. <laughs>